a crazy cheap price these guys charge. They came back on Thursday to put all the rebar in for the suspended slabs because I have point loads from the roof that go down to these suspended slabs. And I go, you guys are going to epoxy in the rebar, right? Since you missed it. You go, no, my friend, no problem. No problem. We're going to epoxy it. The guy's on his way with it. I called the builder and I was like, listen, if I see these guys doing anything improper, they're offsite. I don't care. You can bring in whoever you want, but they're going to do things correctly. They put all the rebar in with PL. What? Like PL 400. <laughs> 400 <laughs> not even PL subfloor adhesive subfloor adhesive the same stuff that's I used on the I don't want my rebar shadow. to creak yeah <laughs> so creak 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 I, I caught the, the builder came fuck? to site that day we were going over well obviously dealing with a foundation that bad like back charges come into play if it takes me five times as long to set my plates like it's in the contract what I expect my site to be like when I come he agreed to that I told him I went up to the rebar, I pulled it out, and I was like, that's your concrete crew, and that's why they're not here anymore. And I just I told them all to get the fuck off site. Is that to the owner or to the subcontractor? No, the builder. Or to, to the builder. To the, to the builder. builder. I told him, he was, he was like, oh, where are the concrete guys? I'm like, I got rid of it. Like, I don't want to see them here again. I don't give a fuck. Like, I will, I will walk off this site if they continue to do work here. Is he dealing with the concrete guys, or he's not dealing with it, or just expecting you to take care of it and expecting the back charge? Well, he's brought, he's expecting the back charge. We correct, so they missed four beam pockets for what? steel beams in the basement. We cut those out with the quick cut. Big 12 for big W12 beams, so they're pretty sizable beam pockets. The concrete guys tried blaming it on, oh, the footings are fucked up, but, like, every every footing that was supposed to bear where I have steel going, every, every steel post pretty much hit dead center of footing. So I know like the, the surveyor wasn't off. The footing guys weren't off. It's just when they came to fix the rebar, they showed up. It was a crew of like five of them. The boss was watching. None of them drive trucks. The two guys who I think own the company, one's got a Porsche, one's got an Audi, which should have been like your first fucking warning sign. You know what? Even if I had the money, (laughs) even if I had the money, I will never show up. On a job site yeah. with my personal vehicle. Can no. I fi- ask what the company was? Can't. He wouldn't give me his name. He can't. Wouldn't give. I because I, I guess they saw how frustrated I was with them. The guy came up to me. He's like, "Oh, we have other jobs. Like, give me your card. Like, we'll give you work." And I was like, "I will never work off your work ever again in my life." And he goes, "Oh, just charge the client more." I'm like, "That's not how any of this fucking works." Wow, like, that was his solution. Him and I got in a like a. I've never conducted. Young guy, my, old guy, old guy old guy okay i've never conducted myself like this i got in like a screaming match with them in front of my crew in the process of trying to kick them off the site for incredibly poor quality of work he just refused to get off site no they left okay they left oh my guys broke out laughing he was chasing me trying to explain like why it was so bad to me and he he tripped on the outrigger of our forklift into the mud (laughs) and everyone on my crew started laughing at him did he acknowledge oh. that it was a bad job? No, he said that the way to fix mistakes is by negotiation. <laughs> His exact words, I swear to God. Yeah, That's the first I've heard that. And he's telling me, I don't know how it's out when we pull measurements at the back of the house. Like, it's right to what the plan shows. And I'm trying to tell him, like, your dimensions can be parallel. But if you're creating a parallelogram, right, like you're out of square. It's not that you, like, you guys might have laid all your dimensions at the back of the house right. By the time you carried them to the front of the house, you're so out of square that the only way to get my plate to bear on concrete is I have to make the house bigger now. So at least some of the plate hits the foundation all the way. How's the engineer? 
he was good to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. He he's like, honestly, I've seen worse than this before. He's like, we're going to do like a seven and a half inch angle iron through bolted through the foundation where it falls off. And then the brick ledge sits four feet below top of foundation. So the brick ledge is going to be the same thing They're They're going to build it out and they'll keep it parallel. He's going to have some sort of strapping detail on the outside of our exterior wall. Cause again, it's so out of square, the airspace by the time you get to the front of the house is like five inches. Like so what are they gonna do, spray airspace. foam that? I don't know what they fill that void with. They're well, gonna yeah, have they're to, gonna cut the foam off, right? Yeah, put oh, that, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and I guess the brickies are gonna have to do like, it'll be the Tyvek on the wall and then it'll be like double two by four strapping, probably structurally screwed to a stud or something, just have the brick tie on. I'm just trying to think of That's all the extra costs. So the, the extra visit from the engineer, the extra report, oh God. the extra angle iron, all this extra cost yeah. that was avoidable. Yeah, just by hiring the right guy. But apparently this crew came recommended from XICF company. I guess I can't say their name. And then someone else later informed me that they have a one-day ICF certification course. Well, we just had someone on the show a couple of shows back. He was just telling us how the walls can go out so fast. Yeah. Well, I ordered. So I do. I handle all the steel installs, supply. All I prefer to keep as much control in-house as I can. And I came to check up on them when I was told the foundation was almost ready to pour. And I saw the crew they had going there and without being too judgy, I called the steel guy and I was like, give me all my steel a foot long. I can't guarantee anything's going to be right. And then thank God I did because now we didn't have to reorder our whole steel package. Wow. Great move, yeah. man. If it was right to cut a foot off a steel beam with a quick cut takes 40 seconds. So it's not like it's any skin off my back. But yeah, that was the first thing that put me through the ringer in the last couple of weeks. So have you guys gotten the first floor on? Yeah, we have the subfloor on now. Okay. So now we're good. We're square. The trust company wants to come out. I think they're coming on Tuesday. They're going to pull from my chalk lines for new trust dimensions. I told them I'll just give you them, like save yourself the drive, but they want to come out now and just confirm everything. All like the lumber packages. Oh, that's the other funny thing. The excavation's a foot high on this house. So I'm cutting all the studs down. The excavation, Yeah. they did not go deep enough. No, they're a foot so high. So instead of having 12 foot, they're going to have 11 uh, they were going to do, it's 11 foot main floor, so it'll be 10-6, and it's 10 foot second floor, it'll be 9-6. And how do the homeowners feel about that one? I don't even know if they know, to be honest. They he's will. Ne I've never met him, he's never come by. They will know. Maybe he's gone over with them. The only reason I got roped into doing this house is the guy GCing it is the guy who gave me my first house four years ago. So when I was like young just started the business had done like all those shitty little renos and stuff he was the first guy who called me and was like hey i have a house i'd be interested in having you price it and i was like oh i don't really have like many references i'm still a new business and he let me build his personal house and i guess now he's doing this one for a friend if it wasn't for that i would have walked off site by now probably i wouldn't want any part of this did you actually lose money no 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 i'm not done the house yet yeah but you think yeah. you will no, now that we're good, all the corrections, beam pockets, all that, like that's all hourly back charge. My costs are covered on all that. And now that we're, we have our floor on, we're back to just our normal systems, everything like that, ready to go. But you feel so, bad for the homeowner where there's I all do. this extra cost. I do. That wasn't necessary. No, uh, but I don't know if those concrete guys are going to get their last draw. Right. I know that he's they talking with the builder he still owes them money so they're going to probably work that out 
some type of way. Well, what was the statement again? It's just yeah, not problems are solved by negotiation. <laughs> like that's the most. <laughs> guess what? This is a problem, and yeah. guess what? We're negotiating. That's now. the most like ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. He says he know. I asked him if he knew how to pull square, and he said he did. He goes, "Oh, we pull corner to corner." So what I think happened is the back of the house jogs out one foot eight from the other side of the house. I think they pulled their corner to corner, same measurements. They did not account for the one foot eight bump out in the foundation and that pushed them out of square. That's what I think happened. But you can't tell unless you were there. I have no idea. I just, again, the floor is on. We've got engineered details for how to correct things. I recommended they knock out the foundation. Obviously that's like a tough decision for a guy to make. And then I told him like, if you bring someone else, cause he didn't want to like pay us hourly, obviously to fix any, everything he wanted to get them to do it. And I was like, listen, if bean pockets are in the wrong spot, I'm not going to be here babysitting them. And you genuinely have about a week to do all these fixes before this house no longer fits in my schedule. And like, I'll, I'll let it go. There's more than enough out there. You have to, to be walk away. You have to be f firm on this. Because yeah, oh. otherwise you all of a sudden inherit all these problems. Yeah. Well, a 7,500 square foot house too is like nine weeks out of my schedule. Yeah, that's right? what it like is. That throws off the next one and then the one after that. And so like it's all snowball. Yeah. Based on that, uh, the video that I did see, I mean, was it, it was a Nadura, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a Nadura ICF. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying anything negative about it because any product can be good. It's yeah. the person who's installing it. Yeah, they recommended the crew. I think they got some sort of responsibility That's there. That's what we're hearing. You can't have a guy do a one-day course and then and be a like, YouTube yeah, video. here, build this fucking mansion. Because it's gorgeous property. Like, the house finished. There's, they got nice round arches. Like, it's going to be a gorgeous house, but, like, it's off to a terrible start. Hopefully it just gets better. So what are you going to do in the basement? Well, since it's Nadura, you can put the drywall directly against it. I already told him probably not going to do that unless you want your basement to look funny. Like the one long run of wall is going to look silly. So now when we come back to frame the basement in probably by like March or something, we'll, it'll be all framed exterior walls, re-square. And then by the time they cut out all the foam to attach the ledgers and all that for the brick and our plate where it falls off there, like... You're spray foaming everything again. What was the fucking point of paying the extra for the ICF foundation? Like, it's not, it's null and void at this point. I like a couple builders we work for do the R10 foam, the two inch yeah. after a traditional pour on the outside, on the inside. I really like that. Jim does that. Yeah. That I think is smart because after this, I don't know if I would ever trust ICF. I, I don't think you per can personally fault the product. I got to go back to the installer. Yeah, it, uh, this isn't now the first time we've heard this, that guys are taking one-day courses and going out there and fucking up shit. Well, yeah. specifically with Nadura, I'm, we're hearing that they're recommending people that should not be recommended. Well, they're, they're selling their product. It's a conflict of interest at that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's uh, your you have a relationship with somebody regardless if they're good to do the job. Well, you have to think from their perspective, right? Construction is absolutely booming right now. I remember talking with you about, oh, is 2021 going to be okay? Like we doubled in size yeah. this year. Next year looks to double again already, and it's November. What are you booked into now? Right now, April, pretty solid. Good and for you. then with like 
contracts after that, like in talks right now, all repeat business for next year so far. So There's you probably no got your summer close to lining up close it, it all depend on like how the spring digs go and what kind of rain we get like that'll really throw off kind of what we do but there's always enough little additions and smaller stuff that like i don't ever stress about having to fill in a week anymore like oh what are we going to do for a couple days yeah there's always something to do now there's seven of us now and i don't stress about oh so you got another one you got another employee yeah so how has that been? Because I know that you were on the hunt at the beginning of the year. I'm always on the hunt. You it finally made ends. the split of two crews yeah. this year, yeah, which was a good move, uh, yeah. a needed move, right? And who's the lead now on your other second crew? Neil, who Neil. I think I mentioned yeah. both times I was on. Yeah, been yeah. with me since pretty much day one, equal in every way to me as far as running a site. I have no issue trusting him with anything. And who's the new guy and where did you find him? A uh, new guy came via Instagram. A couple new guys came. I think one answered an ad and the other one was Instagram. They call me. I don't really ask where they call me from. Good guy so far. He used to play pro hockey. He understands like the, the team mentality of like there is no shitty job. It all contributes to getting the house done. He's been really good. The other guy we hired at the same time as him got his ass fired because he had a shitty attitude. And like no one wanted to work with him even after a couple of days because he was not like, a team player. No, we can get into like what makes a good, at least framing employee, which I'm sure is very relatable to every other trade. But like I was off site for the afternoon and we had a lumber package come. So Neil was in the machine picking the lumber up off the truck and his tires in the roto started slipping in the mud. And apparently all I heard is like this guy was just like leaning up, doing nothing with his arms crossed and was just like trying to tell Neil how to drive the machine. It's like his third day on our crew. He's like, oh, I wouldn't have had the machine slide kind of thing. And like I came at the end of the day and everyone looked at me and was like, yeah, like he's gone. Because like when you get at least when you get a like, obviously it's paid, but I call it a trial. Like everyone is welcome to come try out on our crew. Right. You might be the best fucking framer in Ontario if you have a shitty attitude and you don't gel with the crew we all see each other more than we see our families you got to fit in well with the group regardless of your skill I, I believe that wholeheartedly and everyone that day called me texted me we talked at the end of the day like yeah this guy's got to go like I don't want him here tomorrow it's okay like, it's ironic uh, that it's you... de it's dem I run Barbosa carpentry very much as a democracy that's even, good, good for you. Even in terms of like the job, when I'm like close to landing a job, I'll send a copy of the drawings to all the guys. Is this a house you guys want to take on? Do you feel it's within our skill level? Like, how's everyone feel about this? You know, is it too far for certain guys to drive or are we too deep into the city? Like, and everyone gets their say. Wow. So I was just saying that's that amazing a, that you do a, that. dude. It's ironic yeah. that you you probably did mention to anybody that comes on board that it's a team effort. And then you're also <laughs> asking the team it's a team collective whether someone should go yeah and ultimately every decision is made as a collective Always. So, so you guys are all have a say in it yeah me and neil on the way home probably spend at least a half hour every day on the phone talking about the comings and goings of that day on our on a bigger house like this 75 both crews are together house that big there's enough to do to keep that many people busy uh and even still we're together every day on site even still on the way home we're on the phone chit-chatting about how certain guys did and kind of 
where to improve where to improve one of the guys is about to get a raise neil and i he's really stepped it up we're really impressed with what he's doing so it's like okay you know i think he deserves a little bump that kind of like it's all i very rarely make decisions on my own you like with business financials and stuff like yeah that's That's different that's all me i'm the owner i'm the one with all the risk i'm it's my responsibility but in terms of like the comings and goings every day like everyone everyone gets a say yeah yeah Everyone gets a copy of every set of drawings for every house we do, whether you're the low guy on the totem pole or you're Neil as the crew foreman. I want everyone, whether or not you understand the drawings and what you're looking at, I want everyone to know at least the shape of the house we're building. Because someone with a fresh set of eyes might notice something that I missed because of my mind's other places. And I'd rather someone come to me and be like, hey, Jesse, I think you missed this, than feel like, oh, he's the boss. Like, I shouldn't really, like... I don't want to step on his toes. Like, no, if I, do you think I'm doing something wrong? Tell me. Yeah. Encourage it's it. Very expensive. Yeah. For that mistake to be made in certain cases. So. So do you think maybe next year a third crew? No, that would be too, too much. soon. Not too soon. Maybe just a little too volatile. We still do have to keep quality up. Like I'm pretty sure this house that we're on now is probably going to be one of the last I do for someone who's not like, repeat business consistent like okay. ne- next year for what contracts are signed is all repeat it's all people we did work for this year and like one of them is already like four houses already like booked in for next year i just a couple are in the spring and a couple are just whenever they end up lining up next year to get a third crew going would probably pull me off site a little too much i think Right, right now it's good. I can do most of my communication with Neil over the phone. It's not with the third crew. Like, it might be too much of like, okay, guys, Monday I'm on this site, Tuesday I'm on this site, Wednesday I'm here. It's it'd be too much. It's I think. way too much at that point. Yeah, and like when people hire Barbosa Carpentry, I'm sure they expect Jesse Barbosa yeah. to be there and to be actively a part of it. I stand by that. So no third crew, definitely not. So what other stories? Well, I mean, you you spent the year basically looking for yeah the crew. It's not done yet. Still, it's still not done, still right? Still active. I want one more solid guy. And I think eight, two four-man crews and then one big crew when need be. Or you can have like five guys on a site. Three can go finish the basement of the last house. I think that would be kind of like an ideal cutoff point for how big I at least want to get. We'll see what happens. I've always down to give anyone a chance at least where else were you looking where else were you trying to get employee instagram proved to be the best to be honest i would pay for i'd pay instagram they do like the stories that they'll advertise you can select on instagram like your demographic although for hiring you can't select your demographic has to be open to everybody like 18 to 65 male female if it's if it's a specific hiring post they won't let you pick a demographic which is fine but it at least tailors it. You can pick like interests. So like if they like a lot of construction related content, those are the type of people that are going to see it. So I've had good luck with that. This year, two of our hires were actually rehires. Uh, a couple of people had left at the end or sorry, at the beginning of 2020. And then by fall of last year had come back to work for us. Where did they go to another crew or another trade? Uh, another crew. Okay. Uh, I guess grass is greener type situation. And uh, I mean, I'm happy to have them back, obviously, but grass was greener. They left I guess. on good, good terms? Yeah, everyone. I've had some guys who leave on terrible terms where it's like they'll try to quit 
and I'll just be like, honestly, man, like you've worked for me for like two weeks. Like you don't need to give me a two weeks notice. Like just go start your new job. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care <laughs> at that. Like, cause when I was coming up in framing, I tried to give a boss a two weeks notice once. And he just said, if you don't want to be here, just leave now. Like what's the fucking point? It's true. Well, you become a disease in the company. Well, that's if what, you're negative, why yeah, be there? Exactly that, and I I stand by it. like guys. If a guy's been with me like a year, two years, like yeah, give me that two weeks. Let's try to find a replacement for you, which is highly unlikely to happen that quick. A guy just starts within his first like three months. Like if you don't want to be here, honestly, like just leave. I don't want to pay a guy two extra weeks, honestly, to just kind of drag his feet and putts around and be late every day because he's quitting anyways. Exactly. Like that's like Ronnie. Uh, on Friday was talking about maybe leaving. He wants to start maybe going out on his own. And you guys always talk about guys wanting to leave over like an extra dollar an hour raise. Immediately, I'm like, listen, man, like if this is a financial thing, let's go over this. Tell me how much you want to make. I can tell you what responsibilities I would expect of you at that pay rate. And let's make it happen. What a sweetheart. The first thing he says is, he goes, Jesse, like, you know, I know you're not like, a huge corporation with like billions of dollars. I don't want to be like a financial strain on the company. And it's like, holy fuck. Like, like you don't hear that from everyone's always like, okay, fine. This is how much I want. You're gonna give me a hundred K a year. I don't really give a shit if it hurts you in any way. And like this, this fucking kid impressed the shit out of me. And, how old is he? Uh, Ronnie's 23. We're all young. There's right now, no one's over 30 in the company well he's, he's might, not hiring anybody yeah. <laughs> i heard that podcast recently and i laughed i was like i guess i'll never fucking work for carlito then. you know you know what though um that's a challenge for people to to become better at uh at just caring yeah. about someone else's other business it's also i've given so many chances that yeah if i get the opportunity someone under 26 they better come with a game yeah. Oh, don't. I don't, like, have, I don't have time for it anymore. I'm 50 years old. I just don't have time to, to play games. If we're not going to grow together, yeah. Then just don't waste my fucking time. No, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like, to find the guy. Yeah, we're all young, but like finding it's seven, including me. So finding these six guys, has been probably a hundred, at the very least, have had like an in-person interview. Because I won't hire anyone over the phone. You want to come work with me? You're going to come, you're going to show up at 8 a.m. one morning. If you don't have another job, feel free to bring your tool belt. If the interview goes well and I like you, you can start that day. Otherwise, I might be like, hey, Neil, like, come with me for the interview. Uh, you and I are going to talk to this guy together. I'll see what you think because if he ends up on your crew, you got to like him. Or if I like him, he can come with me. Like, And like a lot of guys will show up for that interview and like you can immediately tell, like, okay, sorry, this isn't going to be a good fit. Whereas over the phone, at least if you tell someone, oh, yeah, sure, come in, you're hired, come in for a day, like they're going to come onto site with like a sense of entitlement. And I don't I don't want that, especially on someone's first week. I'm not interested in how your old company did things. I don't care for you to tell me how to do my job and how I run things. We've been fairly successful so far. And we're going to keep doing what works and what we know works. And like me and Neil constantly talk about like new systems we can bring in and like like we just finished up an addition it was pretty it was 30 feet by 40 feet 16 feet tall walls uh the site couldn't be backfilled in time for us so like we were like okay like 
how are we going to make this efficient? We decided we prefabbed all the walls on site. We were like, we know what our zero point is. We know what uh, our ceiling height is. We know our wall lengths once we put our sill plates on. Like, why can't we just set up a little squaring table over there made out of a couple extra floor joists and we'll build all our walls. Three guys will build the walls. Three guys will build the floor. And in one day, we went from just an empty foundation to walls up ready for roof. Right, just we have the roto, we have the crane, right? Just lift them all into place. And then the guy who just started with us is like, wow, like, I can't believe you guys like pre-cut everything like that. Like we never would have done that at our old company. And I was like, well, like, well, now you're learning stuff. Good. Like, welcome aboard. You can frame like this. This is an efficient way. And as like everything worked out just fine. Right. So you've done your homework, man. You've paid attention to other crews. You paid attention to what other businesses do. You've oh, seen what works, what doesn't work. We've got a little, we're going to split up in a couple weeks here to do an addition in Etobicoke for Will Gunnell. And I've had, I first saw those drawings in, I want to say April, and now they're finally going through with it. And I've had that house built, or sorry, that addition built in my head for like three months. I know exactly how it's all going to go together, how it's going to be an efficient project and how we're going to be in and out of there in a week. Wow. Yeah. Like, and I'm not starting for another couple of weeks. We never, again, it comes with like having everyone in the team involved and at least everyone knows what the house they're building looks like is when we show up on site, everyone knows their role. They know exactly what they're supposed to be doing and the house can go together. I don't have to, at the start of every day, explain, okay, guys, like today we're going to set up steel. So everyone get prepared to do steel. Like the night before, I'll send out a text. Hey, guys, we're doing steel tomorrow. We're going to come in the morning. Here's what everyone's going to do. And that like there's no wasted time once we're on Just site. Just a friendly reminder Just, of what yeah. to expect a day, the beginning Ex of. Every day. And everybody's on the same page. Yep. Everyone knows exactly what's expected of them. Like, Aren't you afraid of the classic, if I'm teaching them all these tricks, they're just going to take off when they're ready to take off? Yeah, they might, but like I give guys opportunities for that. Like Luch, who we have right now, he's been with us almost three years, and another young guy, and like he wants to, he wants to be like a lead for someone first. I think anyone who starts a business with it, out at least being a lead for someone else, is going to be in a world of hurt when they realize how hard managing people is. <laughs> so he wants to move up to that next level. So on one of the last houses we did. I told him, like, Luch, hey, if you want to frame the basement on this all on your own, like, I'll give you subcontractor rate for it. We'll work out a flat price just like I would when I price a job. You can come to me with a price if you want. You can do the whole process. Start small on this basement in our house. And I'm not going to hold your hand through it. You don't ask me any questions about it. I'm going to come in at the end. I'm going to check. I'll check your walls for level. I'll make sure all your nailing's correct. And if I'm happy with it, I'll pay you. If there's deficiencies, you got to fix them before you get paid just like how it would work for me. Went in, did the basement, couple quick little questions, couple quick little fixes here and there. Guy on my crew who works hourly during the week, got paid subcontractor week to do something, like a side job, basically, for us. And now it, I told him, I was like, you can use anyone from the crew if you want. You gotta pay them, it's all on you. You organize this entire thing. And it's a good learning experience for yeah, him. Yeah, for sure it is. Right, especially the like, it. Like, admittedly, it's his first time doing something on his own. A basement that would have taken our crew, like, a day to go in and do took him four. But it's a good learning experience. He goes, oh, wow, like, 
when you show up and like you're trying to do a plan like you're paying guys to like just figure out what we're doing that day and yeah. i was like yeah and like the money goes pretty quick like the little things efficiency things changes everything so there's always opportunity like within the company i i i've worked for guys where like they get annoyed if you were were to i worked for one guy who if you were to ask him what the next house was don't worry about that that's my worry and it's like what the fuck like we all got bills to pay i'd like to know we're busy for the just next six months <laughs> like but you're also jesse i mean i love that since we met you you've grown like tremendously uh, tremendously but i think you've matured tremendously as well too right but also you've become a threat to the competition maybe other framers out there are thinking well you know jesse barbosa carpentry was a small fish and now he's becoming a big fish in our I don't waters. know about a I don't know about a big fish, but like I would be just competitive. I, I I try my best to I don't know. Every client gets one hundred percent of our effort. Every house, no matter what, like that is the baseline. It's always one hundred percent. Whether you're a homeowner who calls me, you're trying to GC your own house. I'm going to treat you with the same level of like dignity that I'm going to treat a guy like Jim with. Yeah. Right. Like we do a lot of work for him now, but we've done three houses for him at this point. A lot more coming up in the future and working with him. I this this GC on the house that's fucked up now. I'm treating with the same respect that I would give to a guy like that. Really? Huh? It doesn't matter. You who can't you change are. it. You can't change your mindset. No, because you never know who people are going to become. Right. Yeah. Like this guy might learn his lessons on what's gone shitty for him so far in this build. The next one he gets, he might do a little better. And you next know, he might be the next biggest builder in the city, right? You don't know where people are going to end up. It's like the corporate mentality of like you treat the janitor with the same respect as you treat the CEO. That's kind of how I think we've grown. The The work kind of has to be up to that it as starts well. starts to speak for itself. Yeah. Right. Anyone who sends me a set of drawings, I encourage them. I, I say, you need to come out. Here's our current site. Here's the last two sites. I highly doubt they're drywalled by now. Feel free to walk through. And then usually after that, like, okay, yeah, we'll book you in. Like, we'd like, we'd like to work with you. You still awake? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I love this guy. Well, you realize how a podcast works, right? It's like question and answer kind of yeah. discussion. Dude, it's I don't perfect. think I have the energy level as the last guy. But <laughs> no. I am Portuguese, so I'll talk if you let me. No, I, I just love what you're saying. I mean, it's really mature. And you you really have come a long way, Mr. Snips. <laughs> um, no, and, I, and I've heard a lot about you on the street. Like, okay. Talking to other contractors. So That makes me feel good at yeah, six in the it's, morning. It's doing, you're doing really well. I, I'm, I'm really proud of you. That means nothing, but I'm well, really proud of you. I, I mean, was, that means nothing. What's on wrong? my drive down here, I was thinking about it. I genuinely don't think I'm the same person as when I first came on. No. And that was only a year and a half ago. Yeah. Like that, that was, I You've think. You've matured quite I think it a was bit. June 2020, I came think on the so. first time. Yeah, I think so. We just started Ray's house. We were putting the first floor on at Ray's. That's funny you bring that up because yeah. Flo is just finishing up the painting on the second and house there. Flo has recommended us to a couple of people who've called me through Flo. Nice. Yeah, I owe him a nice bottle of whiskey or something. He doesn't drink. Oh, see, I've never met him. Don't know anything about him. He doesn't but drink. Two builders now have called me and said, "Hey, uh, 
Flo is doing a house. I go, oh, who's Flo? He goes, oh, the painter. And I go, oh, he's like, he's doing a house. You frame two of them side by side. And he said, like, we should, we should give you, like, get a quote off you. I, I, none of it worked out just scheduling wise, but like, it's nice when a painter <laughs> recommends or anybody a makes a recommendation. I don't know how, right? I don't know how often that yeah, happens. Flo's not a normal painter. <laughs> oh, I, I've been in that house. I've seen the finished product. Like yeah. it is it's turned out nice next level. Every time I'm in that neighborhood, I stop by those two houses. The building passive houses is where I think we made that flip from like, I don't want to say like amateurs to professionals, but like from, you know, like really fighting, to get work and like having to like convince people to hire us to now people are like, okay, like we want to work with you type deal. I think it really started around raise houses. Those two, they were incredibly complex, full disclosure, mispriced the living shit out of those houses. Yeah. I remember you saying that, but, but we made it through. We, regardless of that, kept our quality, kept our word, kept our craftsmanship. And since then the kind of sacrifice there has been more than well worth it. For I totally agree. what that helped. Like that, start. That's the turning point there. Yeah, I think for us that was the turning point. I matured a lot on that job. Ray saw me have a couple of, couple of breakdowns. <laughs> and as but that wasn't even an easy job. That wasn't even a standard framing job. No. That was a challenging framing job. Just like things happened on, like I got, I let things annoy me that really shouldn't. Like one at the end of one day on a Friday, one of the guys because it was a little bit tighter and we had the forklift there, we'd move all the lumber onto like the boulevard during the day. So we had room to operate the machine yeah. around the sites. And at the end of the day, he was turning in from the driveway onto the road, kind of with the wheels on the forklift cranked fully and all the hydraulic hoses in the steering blew, like just everything mm. just blew. We dumped like 80 liters of hydraulic fluid on the road. Wow. Like emptied the machine of hydraulic fluid and kitty like, litter. You, you can't, the wheels are fully turned. The steering just went and it's in the middle of the road on a Friday afternoon. Oh man. And I flipped, I freaked. Ray could hear me in the house screaming and cursing. And just like, I remember trying to grab a crowbar and like force the tires straight so that I could at least pivot it off the road. And just, we, we took a sheet of plywood, spray painted on it. Uh, we'll move tomorrow and just left it on the road for the night. And thank God the mechanic came. Yeah, what I shouldn't leave out is, like, the boys stayed late. We cleaned up the hydraulic fluid, like, got it all off the road with sand, like, swept up. Boys stayed, didn't even bill me for it. Like, that's the kind of, like, team player effort. You had to. That you we've had, got, yeah. Like, that's the effort. And that's what, that's, I think that has something to do with you setting the standard of yeah. communication. That was definitely, I think, the most stressful day of my life. That I didn't sleep that night. Like, it was, you own equipment, don't you, Carlito? Yeah, but it's, yeah. I don't use it for business. It's all personal. But when it's down, it hurts, right? Like, yeah, I got it, a backhoe down right now. I'm just yeah. pull, trying to pull a starter off, and I can't get to the third no, uh, third yeah. nut to pull it off. Uh, it's a whole and other ball game. I've had my machine stuck in the mud before, and it's it's like demoralizing to me. Like my big expensive piece of equipment is just succumbed to the mud, and just all, especially this time of year, it's like the roto pulling it out of a house the other day got stuck in a drainage ditch. Really, it was the only way. So on the addition we did, I gave the guy a price, and he goes, "Oh, you know, you're a little high than the other guy had." And I go, "Well, you know." We're going to build all your walls kind of in the backyard. And then he had this big steel moment frame 
almost 4,000 pounds worth of steel in this moment frame for two huge big windows he's got. And I was like, you know, like the best way to put this in is to build it on the ground and lift it in with a crane. And I was like, I don't have access with a machine. So like, I'm going to call in a big hundred ton crane. We're going to actually do this all over your house. And I was like, one of those cranes is like 3,500 bucks for a day. So like that's built into the cost. And he goes, oh, like, why don't you just take down my fence in the backyard and drive it off the, like, drive the machine through because his house backed onto a street. Yeah. And I was like, if you're going to give me total rain to drive it through a city culvert and if I damage that, that's your cost. Sure, we'll take your fence down. I'll park the machine in the backyard. That's what we did. During the job, it rained every day like it has lately. <laughs> and trying to get it out to the next site, I got buried in the culvert. I had to dig the forks into the ground and like push myself out and like just, but in that whole endeavor, all five guys on site that day stayed with me till 7 PM getting the machine out float guy too. And like we, I, I found a great float guy who will move the roto for me. The guy I had before was too nervous to drive it. So I'd have to meet him to load it. And like, it just, it'd be a drain on my day to have to meet him at like, 5 a.m. to load the machine on and then drive to site and but like this guy too like stayed didn't stress out that he had somewhere else to be let us get the machine out loaded up dropped it off and i had to call him yesterday like hey man you gonna like invoice me for that like i'd like to get you paid he goes oh i'll get around to it don't worry about it just tell me what i owe you i'll send you an e-transfer you can invoice me later like don't like he's like t too timid to get paid extra for waiting but like it's his time if it took us two hours to yeah. take the machine out like I don't have a problem like if if someone like, like on this concrete job the concrete's bad it takes me more time to build it i gotta charge him for that yeah right well, i don't know why he's so tender. don't worry about it man like building relationships ex exactly that's so that's all it is hopefully with that next time i need a machine move next day all of a sudden he'll fit me in. yeah that's that's what i'm thinking is gonna but, happen yeah so yeah how do we get to that from hiring machines Oh, I don't know. I think we got to that because it's the real challenge in construction is relationships and finding the right people to work with. Yeah. And it, it, that's hard, man. That's that's really hard. It's like you trying to find your team, you know, me trying to find him, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's just like you got to find the right people to put around you. That's important. It is. How much do you uh, how much you pay for the hydraulics? On my on that machine? Yeah, it was like it was like a twelve hundred dollar repair. It was yeah. uh that wasn't the roto that that happened to. That was, we had an older uh, carelift. It was like a 2002 with like 11,000 hours. Just like the first piece of equipment I bought it cheap and dirty, just did the job it needed to. Uh, yeah, I think it was like 1200 bucks. It was a full thing of hydraulic fluid he put in it and then new hoses for the steering. Um, so it wasn't too bad. But that, that machine, we put new, like new hydraulic cylinders on, the fork tilt went, one of the tires went, one of those tires was, it was just, yeah, it's a lot of money, man. The heater right now is broken in the roto. And I don't even want to call them to fix it. Because the Manulift who sells them is the only guys that will really service them. Every other mechanic I've called about this machine is like, no, I don't even want to touch it. <laughs> Why? They're just, it's complicated. Like, it's, it's an Italian diesel engine. So I think unless you're like Manulift bringing in parts for it, it's kind of tough to, it's not just like OEM parts where it's a Cummins where you can throw like anything on it. It takes 300 liters of hydraulic fluid, not 80 like most regular 1055 telling because it's got the rotation, right? So all that's hydraulic. There's sensors in absolutely everything. Wow. Like there's an override key in that machine 
thank God. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought it because it screams at me all the time. Like trying to level? <laughs> Just trying to level it, trying to like lift stuff out maybe further than the machine wants it to. Like, And there's that little key you turn. And it'll still scream at you, but it'll at least like, cause it'll lock you out if it feels like it's not fully perfect. <laughs> they put the key there. I tried to get the salesman to tell me what like the safety factor was on all this stuff. And like, obviously for liability, he can't tell me, but yeah. So they'll come the first, when I first got it, they promised me, you know, it's going to come cause I bought it used and you like, there's a couple framers out there who have like brand new ones. That's a half a million dollar machine new. I didn't want those kind of payments every month. So mine's used, mine's a little older, still does everything I needed to like a new one would. Do you want to share how much you paid for it? Uh, actually, I should be fine because I was talking to the salesman about getting another one the other day because someone else I know bought one and he wouldn't share what that guy paid for his. So I don't know if they'd want me to, but all in I was 170 plus like HST and taxes. It's not too bad, huh? It's about like what a new 1055 telehandler, like a regular, just no rotation, like a JLG or something would go for. Brand new though, this mine is a 2013 and I got it with like 3,800 hours. But like, I don't think now with the way the forklift market is, like you would never get that. They'd probably be 250 now to get the same machine I have. Everything, crazy, man. everything skyrocketed. Did it? Oh, I, I tried to buy for the second crew another machine. I've been on the hunt for one and I found one at auction. It was good price. I was bidding all day on it, just like little increments, hundred bucks at a time. And with like a minute left in the auction, I was in the lead. And then like last minute, a guy jumped at five grand, just like, didn't even think about it. Just boom, five grand more. I want that machine. So, and at that point, like for me, it was getting a little too, too high. You don't jeopardize guys payroll to get new toys. Yeah. So it would have maybe put us in a little tight of a situation where it's like, if someone doesn't pay me, like we're going to start here. Right. So I, and I want that safety net. So I, I vetoed that one. Equipment is important. What the Roto lets us do so far has been worth every penny. I sold the old machine for the down payment on it. And then with a little bit of extra money, like the payments are at a point where it's cheaper than having a brand new employee a month. Like my payments are dead low on it. And I only did it over three years. So it's easy enough to move if like 2023, this industry tanks which I mean, hopefully it doesn't. I'm not an economist. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, if we knew what was going to happen, we'd all be rich, wouldn't we? <laughs> yes, we would be. So I don't know. What do you think, Carly, is going to happen next year? It's hard to tell, dude. I don't trust the government. I don't like the way things are going. But I know, but I from do, speaking but I do, to all these guys, man. But I do know that there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of money out there Yeah, for good quality guys. The just scary thing for someone like me, because I'm young, I haven't bought a home yet. Part of buying the Roto was house prices were so crazy. I took, I decided to invest into the company rather than into property because a $170,000 machine was a lot easier for me to swallow than a $1.2 million ship box. <laughs> Which is like, well, what are you buying? Condo is, yeah, it's like it's no, crazy. And like, a house and my but, wife but is selling cheap. townhouses in Toronto for 5.5. Yeah, like that's um, fucking crazy to me. Like, if you go to Orangeville, everything's gone up to a million yeah. six. Picton, Belleville area, 
But south of the 400 as you move out there there's less work and less opportunity for there's lots of work out there so man. there's risk see for me what i find is there's certain areas like right now our working range is like i'll go from like the 404 to highway six and then like as far north as like in a line with like king city i guess because for me where i live that's about an hour in every direction which i think an hour of commute is in, in construction is reasonable I got a couple guys who live like Toronto and I tell them, you know, if I take a job, we're out in like Burlington, I'll get you your drive time. Like it gets built into the cost of the house. Like, so they don't really stress about where we're, but again, it's the democratic part, right? With two crews, you know, the guys who all live close can go to that house and then everyone, there's another job closer by to them, which guys seem to appreciate a lot. But the scary thing about trying to be young and get into real estate and like Jim gives me shit all the time for not getting into real estate. If house prices do go down or the market crashes, that kind of affects our work too. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I might buy a house, but is the work going to be there to support that cheaper? Like yep. it's, it's a weird balancing act we have in the construction industry where it's like prices might come down, but then that might affect the very thing that, brings us our, our money makes us our profit but, but all the them. all the rich people if you're paying attention to them all right now if there was going to be a real estate crash coming yeah these people would not be buying all this land and property like yeah very rich people very famous people are buying 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 what does that mean i mean they wouldn't be buying all this real estate if it and yeah. I'll, I'll tell you there's i've never seen better money than in we, real estate I priced two houses this year. I got one, but didn't end up doing it. But I, for people where I wasn't allowed to know who we were building for, which I imagine is a certain level of wealth that I probably can't understand where you want your trades to sign NDAs about like one was in the bridal path in Toronto. And like I had the contract for the house. It was by far the like the biggest contract I'd ever put in for a house. I don't think I'd ever even touch a contract that high again. I got the contract ready to go. They told me a June 15th start date. Like, let's go. June 15th comes and we're at Post Road working with Jim. And like I drive by the site and like the concrete guys are screaming with the contractor. We need this money. We need that. Da, 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 da. And it's a builder I've done work for before, but a different project manager within that company. And it just seems so disorganized. On a house, there was 78 steel beams in the Holy. house. Yeah. And we set our own steel. So that was part of my contract. I kept trying to have pre-construction meetings with them because part of the steel there was for curtain walls with like reverse blind details or hidden blind details. I kept trying to set up like a pre-construction meeting where it's like, listen, guys, we need to sit down. We need to go through all the window ROs. We need to go through ceiling heights, how this blind detail is going to work because I am not moving things on site. On a house like this, I don't want to get bogged down for seven months on one job that'll bankrupt me. Couldn't get email responses. Couldn't like, they just, just so disorganized that when June 15th came, they called and were like, hey, honestly, I think like, we're going to be pushed back, delayed until October. And I was like, unfortunately, the house no longer fits in my schedule now. You That's guys are a gonna, big push. You guys are going to have to find someone else. Complex. This house, Manny, did not have a single square 90-degree corner. Oh, I remember you showing <laughs> me that. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely bonk. For, 
for me, it might have been bordering on like a pride house where like you get so you get such tunnel vision of like I can build that like or like everything else kind of I don't know if that's happened to you guys on projects. You get tunnel vision, you get like the pride, you just want to prove that you can build yeah. it and then other things suffer. And again, just I couldn't get I couldn't get them to even like have a pre-construction meeting with me. So I, I was like, honestly, like maybe best you guys find someone else. And I drove by recently. Someone else has started it. And they've made zero progress in like three weeks because I know there's been change after Good change move. after change. Like it was a blessing in disguise, honestly. It was definitely the right call to take a step back from that one, for sure. Which I don't think a lot of guys have the balls to do. Like every no, trade out there. I think you're there. right that they would up, yeah. be up for the challenge. Let's do this. But yeah. there's no challenge if you end up losing money when you could have just walked away and been in a yeah. better financial spot. I would have loved, again, Post Road was in the Bridal Path neighborhood. I take a lot of pride in the fact that, like, we got to be one of the younger crews working in those neighborhoods. Sure. Like, I take a lot of pride in that. Just it would not have been worth it in the end just to be able to say, yeah, we work in this prestigious neighborhood. Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much. So I try to avoid that tunnel vision now on every project. Because we've got some nice houses coming up in the new year. Like one is we're calling Post Road 2.0. Same thing, steep roof, curves, but this one's even crazier than that one. And like I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah, and from what other project managers in that company have told me, like the project manager I dealt with to sign the contract has now been let go. Part of it was the disorganization and losing us as a framer because they had to bring in someone else really last minute. We're, we're doing a couple more, at least pricing for them for next year right now. No contracts yet. But after all that, the fact they still want to work for me or with me, sorry, is like feels pretty good. For me, the most important part is control. I need to control every aspect. While or at least as many variables as possible. Yeah. While I'm on site, I want to be a project manager on that job while we're there. Right. I want to know when concrete guys are coming, are they doing the slabs today? Are they doing the slabs? Right. Hey, by the way, guys, from my door, this is how high your slab needs to be. Or if like that, uh, that particular builder, like Jim, Jim has his own steel guys, right? It's how he's always done it. Framers do wood, steel guys set steel. When they're there, I want to be there. I'm going to give them every height of every post. I'm going to tell them exactly where everything needs to go because I'm not going to be at the mercy to someone else's schedule or mistakes. And I'll, I'll again, back to the hiring thing, all the guys on the crew understand that as well. And I want them to all be the same way, right? We all hold each other very accountable, just like how I hold other trades on the same houses as us very accountable. Wow. We had an interesting chat with uh, Alonso and uh, Case there. I met them right after. I was waiting yeah, outside yeah. So, for yeah, them. <laughs> I saw that, that you came outside there and then they were there. So it was an interesting chat about union, non-union, track building, custom building, yeah. back and forth. And there was pros and cons on both sides. Yeah. It was interesting. I mean, I've been wanting to get them on the show for the longest time. That's what we talked about when I, I met them with coffees outside. I've been talking to Alonzo on and off on Instagram for probably two years now, maybe even two and a half years. When we were buying the machine, he gave me a ton of advice on like securing the financing, what to do, how to get a better rate. Even when we were outside earlier, I guess earlier yesterday now, telling me like certain ways how he bought a house and stuff like that. So like super helpful guy. And one thing we talked about was that 
look at the foundation I'm dealing with right now, right? It all comes back to the biggest stress in my life right now. Yeah. Just because you're in custom homes does not mean it's a better quality work by any means. I think that is a huge that's, misconception. That's a fact. Right? I started in subdivisions before moving over to the custom side of things. The crew I was on, we could put up a 3,800 square foot house in 11 days. And it was, in my opinion, now looking back on it, of just fine quality. Like it, for what you got paid in a subdivision and for what was expected of you to provide in the subdivision, we did just fine. I don't think it necessarily means you're better or worse at your job. There's subdivisions in Kleinberg where the houses have round turrets, bell roofs. Like there's still plenty of hard framing details in certain subdivision situations. Right. I don't think they're any better or worse than us, to be honest. Have you set up a deficiency department in your business? Yeah. Like have all, you? everything we do is warrantied. You got two years. If no, I, but you don't yeah. have an individual framer who's coming back after the job is done. No, no. I don't have a guy I hire that. But like, I'm not even trying to toot our own horn. I haven't been called back for a single thing in like two years. Well, I was just, I mean, like, Alonzo was bringing that up because yeah. he's in the union and track and it's, it's almost a staple. And I started thinking, I think the moment that you as a business owner start setting up deficiency departments, mm -hmm. you're already going down one path. Like that's yeah. how you're going to set up your business when you, I, I think it's smart not to have a deficiency department. It means that you've done the work well and you move on and everyone's happy. Well, a lot of those deficiency departments take care of like change orders too. True. I feel like I, I remember the house I grew up in was a subdivision house and bought pre-construction. My mother bought it. And then I remember we went to go look at it one day and they had the house framed, but they had the house framed with a single door. We ordered like elevation B, I guess, like double doors, different entrance with the front porch. They came back, cut out, like redug it, cut out the foundation, had to report it to accept the front porch. Like it's a, just a mistake you have to have. I think when you're building on that scale, you have to prepare for certain things to go wrong. There's no way to vet every employee on every crew sure. on a tract where like you, you see it. I, I live in Brampton, like going along Mayfield Road there. It's like one day it's a field. A month later, there's a hundred houses. <laughs> He's not kidding, man. Right? I don't yeah. know how fast they play. It's, yeah. it's almost like a tornado picked them up from someplace else and yeah, just dropped like them off right there. It's crazy how, like I said, we were doing 3,800 square feet walkout basements 11 days from foundation. Last year, applied on the roof. 11 days, yeah. man. We, that, that was four of us. It was myself, three older Newfoundlanders, and we fucking motored. I, I told you all about Mike before the first time I came on, man. I still try to find where he's working. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll drive by and I'll be like, oh, there's Mike's machine. Let me go give him shit. Like, all the time, man. That, yeah, I don't think just, and a lot of custom homes too, man. Like, being perfectly honest, like, they're not really that custom, man. It's just a subdivision house put on an infill lot in the city. I'd agree. That's just being like, it's, I'd agree. It's nine foot first floor, eight foot second floor, truss roof, OSB plywood, Tyvek, regular brick or stucco. Like what's really that custom about that? It's not right. Like for me, we call those like one-off houses. A custom house is like a lot of what we do is like, we're cutting every stud to a specific height to meet a certain elevation. 
Our floors are at different elevations in the house. We have drops, we have walkout basements. Our roofs are mostly hand framed with like bell curves and crazy dormers on them. Like there's a lot of extra effort that goes in, I think, before a house can really start being called a custom house, in my opinion. Right? No, no, I like, agree. I agree. I, I guess they just use the word custom to just hike up the price of the honest, probably. That's like, all it is. You can. You, I see it at Home Depot the odd time I go there. You have the little books with drawings. You can just buy drawings straight out of the book. It's like, I think it's 250 bucks for a set of house plans. You guys haven't seen those books before? I have. I, I have, have seen like, them. Yeah, there's like 50 inside there. Yeah, there's there. like 50 floor layouts, and you just yeah. give them a call and say, yeah, I want this one, and they'll mail you. A, They're a, all ugly, though. Does that count as custom? Technically, It's sure. kind of the same thing. I would as have thought custom division. would be more one of a kind also. Yeah, that too. I think a lot of the custom details, honestly, come after framing. That's when it kind of starts to become a custom house. Whereas in like a tract home, here's elevation A, B, or C. Yeah. Pick one. This is the three tile colors you get. This is your three flooring choices you get. I've seen it with some of the builders you work for. Like while we're still framing, there's designers walking through going like, here's what we're going to do here. It's going to be like when you have uh, stapled in every room, there's a elevation for what every wall is going to look like. All the millwork, all the cabinetry, like, like we framed houses where the millwork contract in the house is like $700,000. For just the millwork, <laughs> like materials, labor, like that to me just blows my mind. That would be custom. That's custom yeah. to me. At a, at a framing stage for us, like as custom as it gets is like you might have some round walls, maybe a turret, ellipse windows, like things like that, different stud heights. But I think they really become custom homes, unfortunately, like after we're gone. It's the finishing trades that take care of a lot of that. Jesse, you ever feel that modular is going to take away some of your work? You think we're ever going to get to that point where modular becomes... Like C-container homes? No, not C-container. Like, no, like modular walls and you're just like a whole Like pre prefabbed in a shop off-site? Yeah. Yes, because you need less labor for it. And Ray, building passive, brought up a very good point to me. Because we all grumble about it. None of my guys, none of us want to be the guys that work in a warehouse get shipped to site, crane all the walls into place. We do that on site anyways. Think about Think about how we, we build our floor. We yeah, square up our floor. We build every wall on that lift floor it up and on then a you platform put it. and you lift it up. Yeah. What's really the difference of just rather than building all your walls on a subfloor, you build them in a warehouse off site and you could even do them while the foundation's being built. It's true. I think... In an awful weather. And yeah, avoiding the weather. Like I think... Maybe personally, I think quality goes down a little bit with the prefab homes. Like we can build walls in full length, like 60 foot long sections where the whole wall is one piece. We're not putting it in in like 16 foot or 14 foot sections because they're all limited by what they can put on a flatbed. Trusses, for the most part, are all built off site. Right, as long as you give them the right dimensions. That's why I keep thinking that framing-wise, modular, it, it might be a thing of the future. I think it's it's definitely leaning that way. But I didn't. I, I don't think. find it faster. I don't find it like I when I was in New Orleans. Yeah, we were building a house, stick framing all the way up. Every piece we were cutting, we weren't even pre-cutting it like you guys were. Like that's the yeah. way it should be done. The prefab homes started exactly the same time that we showed up. By the time we were almost done our house, they were just starting to ship everything out mm -hmm. and trying to put it together. We were done. 
Yeah. We actually went over there to help them out. I don't know how that works out. I so. think I don't think the man hours are any different because either way you get the house is still going to take the same amount of man hours to build, whether yeah. it's in a warehouse, whether it's on site. I think the advantage of prefab is guys can now in terms of like drying in a house for a builder, your house can be dried in in two weeks instead of four weeks. You know, and I think for a builder, that's a very attractive option to look at. I would definitely, like, I've already thought it. We have the machine. Like, the Roto is a crane. I've got 90 feet of reach. I can put 2,000 pounds <laughs> at 90 feet. I wish that was me hitting him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that you was okay? you hitting me, man. Sorry, You Jesse. guys are so delirious at this point. Like, like No, we're not. We're totally on our game. Yeah, He's been up this whole how, time, too. I don't know how you're awake, but... <laughs> like we uh i've thought about maybe trying to invest in a little shop space where if a builder were to hire us wants to take the prefab route we can we can do that obviously well get like a 60 by 60 yeah just some sort of shop space i can throw a squaring table in it but then you're looking at like in terms of like my pricing like am i going to take care of transportation costs what does it cost to do that much shipping flap at it right a lot are of you going to lose the love Am I going to lose the love for framing? I don't think I'll ever lose the love for framing. Modular, if you kind of go the modular route. No, because like that addition we did with no backfill when we pre, like, again, we prefabbed all the walls, but on site and then craned it all in it. At the end of the day, the feeling of going from just a pit foundation walls to subfloor on walls up pretty much ready for roof in a day. That's, that's that, that was a little bit of a high. Yeah. Like that felt pretty that's good to love. watch all the guys come together and get that done. Right now, it wasn't. I'm not gonna. It didn't take us a day to get to that point. The day before, we put our sills on, leveled our sills, while a couple other guys built walls. A couple other guys assembled the moment frame. It didn't save me any labor, but to be able to show up at eight, put all that together, and then like at the end of the day leave like yeah okay we're gonna put our roof on tomorrow like that felt that felt no that felt pretty good yeah right i that was i could see it happening i could see it happening yeah. for your trade i think you want this to happen that's not that i want it to happen i'm just trying to pay attention to what the world's but cert doing certain things you couldn't do prefab either way like uh I don't know. There's a company who just did a richard wengel designed home like twenty thousand square feet all prefab in a shop Really? In Oakville. It's nearby here. I know where it is. From what I was told was a fucking shit show. Because I, I know the crane operator that lifted all the panels in. And he's like, yeah, like there's a so, lot, so, a lot so of saws all bone. in. Bone homes are a shit show. I did one. I was fucking terrible. That's no love. No, I know. Because that is literally connect piece A to connect piece A, connect B and to B. And that's not framing. That's not framing. That that's is, not building. That's assembling. Yes. That's different. Yes. That's different. But there's uh, there's guy I don't know like what names I'm allowed to use or whatever like I, any names I worked for a very short period of time an employee of Hummingbird Hill, very short time right before Barbosa Carpentry started, I worked for them for like a month and a half. It was it was just a little cup of coffee with them, and they're doing the whole prefab thing now. They have their own in-house framing crew. I'm very I consider the guy that runs their framing another one of my many mentors in this industry we talk on the phone a lot i think they do a decent job at it we helped them out with the first one they tried and they were working kinks out of the system 
but I think a couple years in now, like they've got a pretty good grasp of like their systems and how it works. And I've heard of them. I've heard yeah, of them. Yeah. It's, it's going to go. I only know the guys who do the framing. I don't know the actual owners of the company or anything like that. I can't speak to them, but like John who runs the framing is really passionate about kind of going that way about it. They've got a roto too. Like they, they invested the money in the shop and all that. But I think it's different for them because whereas I'm a sub trade, they're in house, they're an arm of the builder. You know what I mean? So like if you hire them, you have to use their system. Yeah. Type thing. I would like to set it up one day, maybe even soon enough, because whenever I do buy a house, I, I got to get a place with a shop regardless. Like it doesn't just the amount of equipment I have, like a yeah. garage isn't enough. It won't be enough. You're going to have to get a shop. You have but to get a shop. Where, again, someone could come to us and they have that option of do they want to, would they like us to prefab all the walls? We'll assemble on site. There'd have to be an upcharge for that, I think, because now it's not just equipment, labor. It's also equipment, labor, shop space, trucking. I think a bunch of the guys sell the prefab thing as like a more environmental, less debris on site solution you're still making that debris you still have a bin it's just all off-site it's not green it's right? not saving the planet think, it's no, not doing any of that you got to think even from a shipping perspective too right you're trucking all the lumber to a shop and then you're trucking it all back out to site i think this is about efficiency right? i think I, th- I think that this is it's not that i'm wishing it carlito this is just i think there are certain trades like framers are going to see some big leaps and bounds in the near future I also think to go prefab, I would spend a premium on a quality concrete crew. True. Because if like the house we're at now, you prefab that, what do you do? Oh. Especially like some in subdivisions, they prefab floor sections. And they just drop them right and in they place. just drop them right in. What do you do if you hit a situation like mine? Then you get right? the it's, angle it, iron. It's fixable. Obviously, yeah. you can add floor sections. You could maybe add an LVL here. But and the point you can of prefab is to kind of be efficient. So if you make a mistake yeah. like that, yeah, for sure. But from what I know, like a lot of guys, there's a lot of sawzalling, a lot of minor corrections here and there. But we have corrections on our sites. We're not perfect either. It's intriguing to see where it's going to go. Well, it's just, I think it's just like concrete guys, if you're not already working on ICF, you're already being left behind. I think if framers are not having a conversation about prefab, they might be left behind. Yeah. So I'm just trying to get ahead of the game. Yeah. I mean, like, Carlito, it wasn't that long ago that if you were a tile setter, if you were not learning about large format panel installs, tile, you're going to be left behind. Dude, my machine's cutting 50s. Omid's borrowing it. Exactly. Like- I, I'm lending it to guys I trust and respect yeah. that work with me. Cutting 50-inch tile. Yeah, like, and I've been doing that from, like, I can't even tell you how, when it stopped. So I think that in the next 10 years, you're going to get some some leaps and bounds, man, yeah. in, in the industry. But, but you and me are so up and down with our work. Like, I lay, like, tile for six months. Then I do concrete for six months. Then I do rebar for six months. Then I go back into trim. Like, I'm not set in one trade and that's what i'm trying to figure out what i need it, to do it has to evolve though yeah like it it's just natural progression of of everything it's a balance of the two yeah so like like sir like i don't think a house like what we did at post road could be prefabbed in a shop there's no, no way you could do that no but 
a, a relatively simple 3,000 square foot, maybe a couple of jogs here or there, I think like 100% that can be done. Is that that platinum lead home you showed me that he was doing? Like really green home? No, no, that's the building passive house that I told you about. Yeah. yeah. We framed that. We helped with the like I air saw ceiling, pictures you showed me. Detailing. Yeah. yeah. Very like Norwegian, Scandinavian style houses. Those were. I kind of remember you showed me some pictures of yeah, it. Yeah, that's You're that really project. Pro- the, yeah. the two houses next to each other. Yeah, yeah we've remember. done four passive houses now. I like them personally. I think that maybe even more than prefab is where things are going to go. Well, that's where the prefab kind of gets married together. A little bit, yeah. Right? So you can get a whole wall panel and just drop it in place and there you go. You just got to figure out the moment connections at the corner when you're connecting the two walls together. I don't think that they perfected that yet. Regarding building passive envelope. I think there's a happy medium in between every, like, because the passive houses come at a huge premium and I think for a lot of people who want to build their dream home, they're just a little bit too out of reach now. And like if you detail it properly and like you take care in it, like Tyvek still does its job. It does. It's still a perfectly fine product. We no longer Tyvek as we build walls anymore. Well, you're doing it after. I have a guy who, if you want us to take care of the Tyvek, will come in after. Uh, the one thing I noticed. I lost a ton of man hours to making Tyvek absolutely perfectly detailed just to have a flat roofer come in and just rip it all up to put his fucking membrane up to, up the wall and then like burn it with the torch and then that causes the wind to catch it. That then never happens. Then it's blown. Or, and like someone else told me, like the first thing a bricklayer is going to do when he shows up and puts his drip edge on as he's going to cut a slit in that Tyvek, slide it up underneath it and then just leave it. Like, so after going back to like get scaffold from sites and seeing what happens to it after we're gone, I think the way to go frame your house, leave plywood. If you want, you can tape the seams of the plywood just to get extra defense. And then either like a couple weeks before you start bricking, bring in a guy with Tyvek who's going to do it off scaffold or a ladder or, or however, or have your bricklayers do it as they go up. Because you also only have 100 days Yeah. UV. Not many houses, especially if they're brick nowadays, are going to be bricked in 100 days. Bricklayers are so scarce. What happens at 101 days? It starts to Appar- deteriorate? A- apparently, like the UV from the sun, it just, I guess, fucks with the membrane in some sort of way. That it becomes less effective. I mean, 100 days, three and a half yeah. months. Yeah, but to get bricked the house i met jim at in etobicoke there we started framing that last december i went i was in the neighborhood because the one we're doing for wills in the same i went to go check it out and he's not drywalled yet oh wow it's been almost a year things sit sometimes and you i see a lot of houses just tyvek flapping in the wind like so now i i tell people honestly the way to go is is to get it done after it's going to be a lot cleaner a lot easier to tie in, a lot less tape, a lot less breaks in it, a lot less seams. And I have a guy who does it fair price. I don't even try to make money off him. I'll introduce him to the homeowner. He can charge his thing. It's not my place to try to put a percentage on other people's labor. I'm not a, I'm not a builder. So here, Mr. Homeowner, meet this guy. You like him, hire him. He's going to do a fantastic job with your tie back. Is he doing the 12-foot roll? Yeah. 
so like it, again it just i just got so pissed off we went back to a house and i saw the roofers had ripped it all up and it was just looked like shit, which speaks to our like my signs in front so like even if other trades make the site messy or like certain things tyvek blown in the wind that still speaks to me i think yeah so i i want to like the neighbor on that house was an architect loved our etiquette on site loved how we were we were very nice to her kids told her like hey don't worry we're not gonna be working saturdays when christmas comes like we're gonna take a week off like we're not gonna be bothering you guys on christmas eve like don't worry about it she's referred us now to a ton of people like we get calls saying oh jen we got your number off jen she said you built a house beside her like we'd like to work with you type thing right so someone's always watching man everything matters i tell all my guys that everything from you showing up on time doing exactly what you say you're gonna do keeping your work clean everything matters i fucking hate getting porta potties on site that have graffiti in them i hate it or how about getting a porta potty and your guys are still pissing outside that too but i hate it because all it takes because you see what some what gets written inside some of them we all have right it ain't the nicest things again i get it rough construction and ooga booga tough guys shit (laughs) but like (laughs) but like the last thing i want is a homeowner to come in and see it and they look and they might think that's my guys writing that stuff i still think that speaks to me i've had them switched out before just for that just every, for that you have every right to do that man. i i don't care like it because everything speaks as a whole to what you're co- everything matters like why i give why i kick the concrete guys off site because they're not doing their job that fucking matters it does if i am on site and someone else is doing i'm not gonna go tell an electrician how to wire a house but i have a basic understanding of concrete and how that works if i feel like you're doing a shitty job it should be be my responsibility to make sure this homeowner doesn't step on his front porch all the fucking rebar lets go and he ends up in his fucking basement <laughs> like explain to me why people are pissing outside of the just lazy cunts that's all it is just yeah. lazy disgusting just go inside and stupid pee there. people i've caught guys and i'm like what are you doing hey, back to the and track like, home things i know tile setters who just pee in the vents that's a thing that's the thing i think it's the same guy yeah, yeah don't is it our it, same do, buddy does it doesn't want to go out and get his shoes muddy is that our buddy <laughs> or the ones that do number two in the basement before the concrete's poured listen out. in the subdivision we were in there's a crew next to us sheet in the roof and they didn't want to get down one of their guys just right off the back of the fucking house <laughs> just, you're kidding just me dick out piss in the wind fucking yeah, just right off, cheating the roof. Didn't want to go all the then way down. Then we wonder why there's a stigma attached to construction. Oh, yeah. But you know what? It, it's worse than that. In my argument with the ICF guy, that's what I told him. My crew will vouch for it. I was like, it's people like you that make it hard for guys like me to be trusted. It's true. All it takes is one bad story, and we're all looped into the same. Well, look at that. The first fucking... image of that house is that foundation. Yeah, it starts at the foundation. It's burned. Even as a framer, if I build a custom home for myself one day, which I want to, I would pay a premium on concrete. I have no problem. I would, I don't get what people don't understand about foundation. That is the base. That is (laughs) like, 
It is literally in the name of what it is. It is the start. It is what everything else is built off of. You look at like the churches in Europe, 2,000 year old buildings. You know why? Because they got really good fucking foundation. Stone rubble foundations. Dude. Yeah. It's the crazy part. Never Ten moved. Feet of, hasn't Ten feet moved. Of won't sand. Move. Oh, back to hiring and job site etiquette. Yeah. I fired a guy last winter on his second day with us because we were laying out plates on a very high end home in Toronto. And the homeowner was on site. It was the first time the homeowner had met me because the builder is who'd hired me. And we're talking. I'm introducing myself. I'm going to tell him our general plan for how we're going to build his house. I, I want people to be involved in our process every step of the way. I want them to understand what we're doing. And the new guy comes up to me and goes, what's this house getting clad in? And I go, oh, it's going to be stone all four sides, which not a lot of people do. And he goes, oh, that's a fucking waste of money. Homeowner three feet away from me. Wow. I've just met this guy. He didn't know he was the homeowner. Still. But still. But it's that kind of, no one on my crew has that mentality of what we're doing is stupid. It's not your home, man. No. It's. And this guy's choices make it so we have a living. Yeah. He pays me so I can pay you and everyone else. Yeah. So if he wants stone on all, one, we're framers. Why does it matter that he's putting stone on yeah. all four sides? At the end of that day, I looked at, I was like, buddy, like, that's the kind of shit that'll cost me a contract. You can't be doing shit like that. And like, I just told him, I was like, listen, man, like, I don't think it's going to be a good fit. You don't have the type of mentality I want. Here's your money for your day or your couple days. Like best of luck in the future type thing. I mean, I know that you've gone through gone. a bunch of things this year. What are a bunch of little things that you're not supposed to say along those same lines? Along those same lines? I hate when... Oh, God, there's a long list, man. For me, the big thing is guys helping me be ready, right? I got a lot on my mind. I can't think of every little thing all the time. Like back to Ronnie. Great kid. We're out of gas for the compressor. Jerry cans are in my truck. Hey, Jesse on your way in tomorrow, grab gas. We don't have gas. That's something that like, I might get a phone call at 4 p.m. I'm talking with a builder or a potential client or something. It just slips my mind, right? Or like, like nails. If you're the low guy, I got this from DGR. If you're the low guy on the totem pole, you're the new guy, your responsibility is the trailer. I wanna know what nails I need, how many boxes I need. You gotta tell me this, because that's one less thing that you gotta that worry about. I gotta worry about. I'll bring them. I got, fucking a million nails but just send me garage. a text or something and something. just break it down like right. i could show you our 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 group chat for work right now most of it is like hey we're out of saw blades brings girl grab go to mississauga hardware grab some saw blades on your way in yeah or uh hey our five eights sds bits kind of dull make like maybe grab a bit so next time we need it we have it like that's the kind of shit that's really important like right now tools are pretty spread out over a couple of sites but we all know what's where. So if I got to send someone to a site and they need something extra, they, can grab. they have it. I got no problem with a guy taking one of the saws in his own truck overnight so he can go to a job. I'm of the belief employees shouldn't ever supply their own power tools, just their tool belt. So like I got no problem with them taking one of the cordless nail guns, taking a saw and like going, they got to do a little change order at a house. I got a little magic blackboard I put in the back of the trailer. Yeah. And whoever goes in there, when they pull out the last of something or something close, there's two columns. Mm -hmm. One saying four inch nails, six inch nails, eight inch nails, 
ordered. Yeah. I sign it. And then whenever I get a chance at the end of the week or a couple of days, I write everything down and make sure it gets ordered. There's certain things I've tried to do to like kind of more corporate type thing, like trying to give like everyone individual timesheets and like it just never works out. Guys forget, guys don't fill them out. You see when they're due, guys talking, oh, what did we work that day? Like, so like that I gave up on now, like payrolls Friday. I want everyone's hours by Wednesday and even though payday's on Friday, because if I tell them Wednesday, a couple of guys are gonna give me their hours on Wednesday. A couple of guys are gonna give them to me on Thursday. Thursday. And then one guy will give it to me Friday morning. By the time I get home on Friday, everyone can get paid. <laughs> right? Like there's little things that like you have to do as like the guy responsible for it all to just, I don't wanna say dummy proof it, but certain things like my, my trailer, we got a little five by eight trailer. It's tiny, I can pick it up with a forklift. I can put it wherever but it's cramped, it's tight. Yesterday, I picked up a seven by 14 trailer, a huge one, seven foot tall ceilings, ladder rack. Uh, we're gonna put a power, like a panel in it, its own fuse box. And if that trailer right from day one, I'm gonna make it very clear. If it looks anything like what the five by eight looks like on a day to day basis, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. <laughs> Cause the five by eight, I organize like once a month. I put things back where they belong and I kind of get it. It's a small trailer. It's cramped. You have to duck to get in. I know, but like, that's more of your time when you've got a team. Yeah. Back to the five eights bits. I have like 17 of them <laughs> so that like, even if I can't find one in the bag where all the hammer drills yeah. and stuff go, I know there's going to be another one in there. I have at least three of every tool we have hanger nailers, coil guns. I have like 15 coil guns. Like they just sit in my garage. So if four are broken, we have four more to replace them. There's never going to be, oh, we don't have that with us on my Can't, crew. Because the loss of production is too much. Always. There's never going to be. Always. Yeah. There's never, like, I, I don't think this year I've gotten a phone call saying, hey, we don't have this. We need this. Like I even have like auxiliary tools. I have a quick cut, a fucking big SDS, like max hammer. Like, so that any, again, concrete mistakes, they miss beam pockets, all that. Don't worry. I got the tools for it. We're just going to fucking do it. I bet you it's a Bosch. Uh, no, it's a DeWalt. <laughs> I was hoping it was a Hilti. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the money for Hilti, man? Like, uh, apparently Carlito, I but it was all given to him when he was a big nah, TV I'm, movie not star. Not everything was given to okay. me. I, yeah, yeah, I had cut. someone reach out I to me about a show this year. Stuff. Did you? When are yeah, you going to do it? Do you want me a, to get you some Vaseline? Just a production company. <laughs> no, I said no, but not because I didn't want to be on a show. Because it would hurt the company from a production standpoint. That's why. It'd be just another thing that would pull me away from site, and I don't want that. Oh, it would hurt your company? Yeah, it would hurt my company. I thought you meant it would hurt the production company making the TV show. No, they're going to make all the money off yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, no, for me, it's just like, it just wasn't, we talked about it. It was, it was only like, it wasn't really a real offer, I think. it was. No, just but I'm like, just pissed that they're going down yeah, the list. Like, I'm going to tell you something from my point of view yeah, on, on this whole go. television thing. Here we go. Television just brings in people that think they're going to get freebies. Yeah. You don't you don't want that kind of business. No. Don't work on a TV show because you're going to get shit out of it lies. except for headaches. Television. Lies. I was chased of course for television. I was lies. chased for so long. I'd get to someone's house and they're mm. like, "Oh, uh, I don't get that for free." Uh, and I'm like, "Manny, what did TV used to be called? Program? The program you're watching?" The program, yeah. Yeah. 
and then it became TV. Yeah, but look, program. And now it's entertainment. Of course, it's a fucking lie. And now it's entertainment. I wouldn't even call it that. Listen, what I would like for Barbosa Carpentry, <laughs> if anyone has seen the show Yellowstone, I would like to, us to all have Everyone's a Everyone's talking about that. I got to check it out, huh? Cowboy, it's a good show. Cowboy Mafia, man. Is it's it? So That's good. what it is? <laughs> so good. I got to check it out. It's on <laughs> like, Amazon. I know that. So I got to check I it out. I joke with all the guys saying, like, we're all going to get fucking brands and, like, it's for life. Like, you want to leave? No. <laughs> this mafia shit. You leave when you're dead. Jesse, we got to wrap it up, man. It was oh. great having you on the show. So I know that Carlito and I are probably on uh, 10% capacity yeah. right now. Well, I'm <laughs> going to be back on with Alonzo in case because we were talking okay, cool. out We were talking out front. Not to tell you guys what's going to happen. Sure. We're totally we were talking for that. out front, from what you say on Instagram and all that, people really seem to be interested in the framing side of things. And the more people we get into that, none of the trim guys and all that can go in and do their beautiful work. If no one puts the bones of the house there, oh, so the three of us would like to come in and do like just a the framing special. We can talk tracked custom how to get into oh. it, starting your own business in it. Like, let's do it. Yeah, and to everyone who wants to run their own business one day, you will suffer for the first three years. I don't care who you are, you will sacrifice, you will suffer, and if you're not prepared to make that, you don't got it. Simple as that. Yeah, like you will suffer uh, psychologically, financially, physically, emotionally, physically. Your relationships will suffer in your life. That's okay. And it's going to happen for about three years and then it gets better. I promise. Everything gets better. You're organized. Everything gets yeah, better. Yeah, if you fight through, like... You know, even just like your machine, you said your hydraulics blew. My hydraulics blew on someone else's lot. Yeah. That guy came to me and said... That's going to be $25,000 for the cleanup. Yeah. That wasn't to fix my, my tractor. No. That was just for the cleanup. That's fascinating. No, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> no. Like cost after cost. The hydraulics on <laughs> yeah. my backhoe cost me 8000 bucks. Listen, I got, I got my machine stuck one at Ray's house so bad, I didn't want to pull it. I didn't want to use his foundation to push the machine out. Because what you can do is in the corner of a foundation. You'll chip. You You'll crack make, it at me. I know the kind of guy Ray is. I didn't want to do that. So I called in a mini excavator, dropped it off, was going to pay a guy hourly to dig the machine out. That's all my cost. The ground just gave out. That's not really something you can control. It was dry. It wasn't, it hadn't rained. Like it just, the backfill around the foundation just sank on one side and the machine got stuck. The lovely pieces of the construction. The second that guy <laughs> dropped off that mini excavator, a framer friend of mine had come to see the site, one of my other mentors, and got it out. So the four, I had to pay 400 bucks each way for the guy to float this machine, not do any work, just for no reason. 800 bucks, gone. Or sometimes on a job, you don't foresee how much crane costs you're going to have. Even with all the equipment, a crane sometimes just makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. So right, like at at a job site like Post Road, I didn't have the truss drawing before we started the house. Once I got it, I was like, "Fuck, I'm not gonna be able to do this with the roto." Like, I need to bring in a f- big crane. There was twenty five hundred bucks of crane costs that when I priced the job, I wasn't fully aware I was gonna need. So, the, like Carly, things come up all the time. You have to be. I know, but Carlito for always it. just tries to make this show about himself, man, and all this stuff. Well, the show's about. Listen, do I'm you 50 live the, years old, yeah. and I've had all kinds of failures. 
I've learned from them. It's cost me, but Jesse, I'm thank you very them. much for being on the show again. And you can catch yeah. Jesse at Barbosa Carpentry on Instagram. Yes, sir. What's the email again? Barbosa Carpentry at Outlook.com. And I didn't mean to cut Carlito off. It's just we still have two more shows to do. <laughs> I buddy. know. Just give me a pillow, bro. <laughs> you guys are almost done, man. The spouses in construction is going to be interesting. Yeah, the significant other sleeping through. It. She's she's pissed off at me, so that's going to be an interesting one. That's the other thing. You want to run a business, find yourself a good woman. That's number one. I know, but you know what? <laughs> that's it's, fucking number one. Man. You don't spend time at home, you're going to get it, go, it. That's where the... Like, and you might not get it at the beginning. Trust me on this. 25, no. 30 years can go by, and then you start to suffer for all the things you did. No, you got to find yourself a good, a good partner in life to do this kind of shit. Because yes. otherwise, like, I don't know. I'd probably be fucking dead without my girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got somebody. You got somebody that's gonna really be an interesting uh, conversation for sure. Yeah, it is. It's one I've been stressed. bugging him for the longest time to do. So we're gonna yeah. finally do it, Carlito. A boom, boom, a boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the beats have been getting softer and slower as the night's been. His eyes are looking at like oh, yeah. he either just he either just <laughs> smoked <laughs> ten ten joints or has been or has been awake for twenty four oh. hours. One of the two. <laughs> comes up with this oh, shit. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>